Welcome to the Feeding and Leading Podcast, featuring Todd Fisher and Andy Taylor, a podcast for church leaders focusing on expository preaching, pastoral leadership, and ministry. Welcome, everybody, to the Feeding and Leading Podcast. My name is Andy Taylor. I'm the East Central Regional Ministry Partner with Oklahoma Baptist. And as always, I am joined by our Executive Director, Treasurer, Dr. Todd Fisher. Todd? Andy? How are you, sir? You know, I'm really doing good, and I'm really excited about this special edition of the Feeding and Leading podcast today. Yeah, we have a, a very special edition with uh, for you today, and happy to bring this to all of our pastors in the state. We are joined today by Ken Sandy. Uh, Ken is uh, a, a church mediation, church conflict, uh, and, and personal conflict and mediation specialist, I guess you would say. I'm going to let you explain all of that. I, I, I probably <laughs> butchered that pretty good. But uh, Ken has written a wonderful book that uh, many of our pastors have read called The Peacemaker. And so we have uh, Ken here today. It's going to do some training with some folks around the state. And uh, we're very excited for you to join us on the podcast today. Thanks, Andy. It's great to be here. So tell us a little bit about your ministry um, I know you started out trained as a lawyer. How did that get you to church mediation and Christian conflict resolution? I guess it goes hand in hand, doesn't it? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Actually, before I was a lawyer, I was an engineer. And oh, yeah. the thing I learned is an engineer is problem solving. And that's what peacemaking is all about. Uh, as an engineer, they taught us you take a problem, you divide it into its component pieces, you apply the proper laws to each piece, and you never violate the laws. And that's peacemaking. Yeah. Uh, we get involved in a conflict in a church. Uh, we, we try to say this is just a theological issue. Uh, that's not true. In most cases, 98% of the time when pastors have major issues, it's interpersonal. It's relational issues. And anyway, I went from engineering to law and uh, shortly out of law school, uh, learned about a ministry called Christian Conciliation that was being started by the Christian Legal Society, a national fellowship of Christian attorneys. And the minute it was described to me, my heart just leaped. I said, this is what God's been preparing me for all these years. So I spent 30 years um, with Peacemaker Ministries, founded Peacemakers in 1982, and spent 30 years there basically applying biblical conflict resolution principles pretty much any kind of conflict you can imagine. We started off with lawsuits between Christians, uh, living out 1 Corinthians 6, where we should even bring lawsuits to the church. But we soon found that those principles applied broken marriages, church disputes, you name it. Any kind of conflict, God's relational principles apply to it. And in 2012, after 30 years of putting out the fires of conflict, so to speak, I just thought, you know, I think I'd rather spend the rest of my career preventing the fires of conflict. That's good. So I transitioned over to a new ministry we founded in 2012 called Relational Wisdom 360, or RW360 for short. And basically, it's, it's with a stronger focus on building relational skills, and particularly how to manage our emotions, which are at the root of many conflicts, mm. in a way that people could avoid some of the disastrous mistakes that bring you to the brink of a divorce, a lawsuit, or a church split. So we're now in the process of developing a whole new generation of training resources that integrate peacemaking, uh, conciliation, which is mediation arbitration, 
and relational wisdom into an integrated training program. So we'd, we'd like to prevent conflict as much as possible, but mm-hmm. when necessary, let's resolve in a way that brings glory to God. That's outstanding. It's good. It's good. Todd, uh, Ken and I were talking about this uh, last night about how, you know, we, we recently had tornadoes that ripped through Oklahoma mm-hmm. and even hit our alma mater, Oklahoma Baptist mm-hmm. University. And the next day, disaster relief was right there mm-hmm. on the spot because they were prepared. And a lot of what um, Relational Wisdom 360 does is prepare mm-hmm. um, mm. not only pastors, but all kinds of folks to uh, to help in those kind of situations. So That's good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. And being proactive and, and having a healthy culture mm-hmm. is a tremendous asset when when conflict comes. And you don't have to hang around the church very long or be a pastor very long to know that conflict mm-hmm. is coming. It's not a it's not an if, it's a yeah. when, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Ken, what what are some of the major causes for the escalation of conflict mm-hmm. that you see in churches today? In a word? <laughs> sin. sin. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Unpack that just a little yeah. bit. <laughs> yeah. What I what I found were two or three come together in Jesus' name, there will soon be conflict. <laughs> and I, I can say that from experience, but you can also just look at the New Testament. Mm-hmm. Every book yeah. in the New Testament, virtually every book in the Bible is dealing with conflict. Yeah. Um, and so right away, here, here, the, here we are, the apostolic church founded by the apostles. If any church had the right teaching and everything else, mm-hmm. man, we're going to get it right. And yet you look at Paul's letters, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, they're conflict resolution issues. I mean, all these principles. So, but to be more specific, um, emotions are a huge driving force mm-hmm. of conflict. Uh, what I found is we, we like to think that we're acting rationally. We come up with our arguments. And especially what makes conflict for Christians so difficult is both sides can so easily point at the Bible. We, we find the verse and say, well, here's the verse that says I'm doing it right. And here's the verse that says you're doing it wrong. Yeah. And we love to bring the law. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I've been in churches where the whole eldership team, leadership team, they knew the Bible well, but they'd forgotten the gospel. Mm. And they could they could talk for hours and hours about rights and wrongs and things you should have done or didn't do, and completely leave out the fact that God sent His Son into the world mm-hmm. to die for our sins. Mm. So we forget the gospel. We beat each other up with the law. We get stuck in pride, stubbornness, a lack of humility, self righteousness. Um, all of these things come into play. And um, and so it, it fuels, for example, in the in the church, Todd. What I find is, when pastors get sideways with their leadership team, um, it's the one conflict I have rarely seen reconciled. Wow. I, I've seen hundreds of divorces yeah. turned around, even if there's infidelity, where there's real forgiveness, mm-hmm. repentance. But there's something that goes on between a pastor's leadership team that once you cross a line. Hmm. is really hard to bring it back. Wow, yeah, I can see that. So, um, and, it, and it's funny, one of the studies I'll be citing today in our, our training is uh, a whole series of reports come out analyzing conflict in the church, and um, 98% of the situations where there's a forced pastoral exit, mm-hmm. interpersonal conflict. Wow. It's not theology. Yeah. Yeah. And even if they say it's agenda or direction, it, it still boils down to how we relate to each other. Mm-hmm. And if people right. are showing respect, humility, listening to each other, basically Philippians 2, 3, and 4, 
looking out for other interests as well as my own, not thinking I've got yeah. all the answers. You can work out those issues. Yeah. You can be creative, come up with better plans. But once you start thinking, no, I know better, and you've got nothing to offer, oh, boy. <laughs> right. That pastor's days are numbered. Isn't that fascinating? And just kind of out of my curiosity, too, you started in 82. Mm-hmm. Here we are in 2023, and especially I want, you know, in the last decade, our culture at large has become, to me, much more fractured and polarized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it would be interesting to hear your your kind of take on how things mm-hmm. have changed in terms of conflict in the mm-hmm. last, you know, yeah. 30, 40 years. How's that, how's that evolved or devolved? Mm-hmm. It would be interesting to hear yeah. your response to that. Well, I don't have empirical studies. I'm sure there's people that are doing that. M- mine is anecdotal. But uh, the one way I would put it, not just the church but our society it- itself – I think up until about 10 years ago, there was a veneer of civility. Yeah, yeah. And it was generally still culturally appropriate if you're debating that you're respectful, you don't attack the person, you know, mm-hmm. at a personal level. Uh, even in the universities, there's still a veneer of civility, a veneer of let's try to debate, you know, on, on substantive issues. That has been ripped away, yeah. just absolutely ripped away in our society at large. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's infiltrated the church now. And yeah. so people, instead of respecting and seeing the value of sitting down, listening, talking to each other, hearing things going, well, I hadn't thought of it that way before, and asking questions for understanding. Everybody is very adversarial today. And so even in the church, you see people taking up sides so quickly and locking themselves in Mm -hmm. instead of having an attitude of, I don't have all the answers. Yeah. You may see something I don't see, and I want to I listen until I really understand your perspective. Yeah. And so there is a lot more polarizing conflict. You're talking politically, mm-hmm. talking about health issues, the whole COVID thing, masking, social right, distancing, right. closing churches, remote churches, um, racism, sexism, uh, gender issues have all been highlighted. And those are infiltrating the church, too. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's like, it's like a house in a floodplain. The, the basement's flooding. Yeah. Water's oh, coming yeah. in through the cracks of the foundation. And Twitter and Facebook have done a lot to strip <clears throat> that veneer away, Absolutely. Yeah. haven't they? You know, in fact, I'm glad you mentioned that because what studies show is people are willing to say things in social media they would never say face-to-face. Sure, that's right. We, we had a case in Billings where a deputy county attorney got into a texting flirtation thing with a coworker. And it was obvious if he'd been face-to-face, he never would have said the things. But there's something about a sense of immunity Mm -hmm. or concealment. I don't know quite what it is, but you'll do things in social media electronically. And so I think that's been a huge factor. I think so. Yeah. Absolutely. So Ken, by the way, he – I didn't say this, and neither did he, but he is from one of the most beautiful parts of the country, Billings, Montana. Gorgeous. Never been there. Would love to come. It's Let, the porch of heaven. It, it, it really, is. it really is. We've been talking a lot about backpacking in in Montana because I've done some backpacking in Montana. It's just so beautiful. I imagine that all conflict just melts away in Montana, but I don't think it's the way it works. No, we, we have something called the Peacemaker Montana. It's a Colt forty five. <laughs> and uh, li- literally, that's what they called it yeah. back in the 1800s, and that's how they settled a lot of conflict. So that's why you named the ministry. No, never, never mind. Mm-hmm. Ken, um, you you mentioned that um, much of what's at the root of conflict in the in the church itself really boils back down to interpersonal 
conflict resolution, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. either the ability or inability to do that. For a pastor who is going through some very deep, very difficult um, uh, stress and problems and conflict that are in the church. What what are some of the, maybe I should say the the, the deficiencies or mm-hmm. the skills that that really need to be trained and learned mm-hmm. or thought mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. for pastors so that we don't come to that kind of impasse? Yeah, you know it's it's surprising to me that the number one cause of failure for pastors leaving the ministry is interpersonal conflict. And yet most seminaries to this day do not provide yeah. thorough training in this. Yeah. It's just it's just not sexy. I, you know, hermeneutics and yep. Hebrew and all that is, is sexy. But for some reason, we don't do it. I, I was on one seminary professor or president a while ago, and he said studies are showing that 50% of seminary graduates are out of ministry within five years. Wow. Now, if you had an engineering school where 50% of the engineers were no longer practicing engineering in five years, the board of trustees would, would do a real thorough house cleaning. I mean, there's, there's something going really wrong. You want to wow. train people for a lifetime in that career. Mm. And um, so the skills that I think are often missing, just basic peacemaking skills, Andy, what we summarize in the peacemaker itself, um, when pastors call me, I mean, I want to really hear their situation, understand the unique uh, elements, what they're facing. But one of the first things I will do is I'll point them to a free download on our website. It's called Guiding People Through Conflict. And it's a 70-page free e-booklet that takes them all the way from the most basic personal peacemaking principles all the way through legally binding arbitration. Um, all the skills that we teach uh, people to do negotiation, repentance, confession, forgiveness, all those different skills can be used. But the other thing I would say in many cases is conflict is like cancer. We don't like to face cancer. We don't want to take the test that says we've got cancer. We'll avoid the doctor's appointment as long as we can. We just don't like bad news. And so a lot of pastors, they'll see signs of a serious conflict, and, um, but they'll, they'll practice what we call just you know, denial. Just pretend like it's not there. They'll avoid that elder. They'll avoid that difficult couple. They'll know that person is still building a clique against him. The division is spreading, doesn't want to face it. But it's like cancer growing. Hmm. And when you finally have to face it, you can no longer avoid it. Now you're facing like amputation. And so one of the things I would always say is face it early on. Be honest about the seriousness of it. And recognize that it's a whole lot smarter to ask for help than it is to try to, you know, just muscle your way through it. Because too often you go so you know, to a certain point, you can't turn it around. And so knowing when to bring in someone else, if nothing else, just to get advice from an objective person. Mm-hmm. And I've done that. I've, I've been in conflicts where I th- was convinced of my righteousness, ran it by another person. One, one time, the situation ran it by one of my members of my board. And we always tell the story in a favorable way. You know, I told them, <laughs> here's what I did, here's what they did. And it, you know, you're going to make I'll, yourself look good. Make myself right look here. good. <laughs> and it wasn't even a deliberate conscious. It's, it's our subconscious inclination to make ourselves look right. And I just love this board member. Terry just said, hmm, could I ask a few questions? So he asked a few questions, drew out some other information. Um, and he said, Ken, I, I think you're wrong. And I thank God that I had a friend who loved me enough to ask the tough questions, help me see that, in fact, I was wrong. And early on, I could go back to this client and apologize. 
and it, the whole thing got resolved. So getting advice from someone objective, you don't want to get somebody who just tells you what you want to hear. Mm. And that's our inclination as we tell the story to someone who's going to tell us how right we are. So all those skills, another skill just being very specific, <laughs> the power of confession. Just to know, to go to someone and say, I am so sorry, I was wrong. Mm. And, you know, Jesus was a pretty smart guy. Uh, he, <laughs> he designed us. He knows how our brains work, even our fallen brains. And one of the things that he knows is that a tendency of human nature is that other people tend to treat us the way we're treating them. Okay. And that's, that's the brilliance of Matthew 7. Treat others the same way you want to be treated. Mm-hmm. And then also 7, uh, 5 is first get the log out of your own eye, then yeah. you'll see. Both of those are recognized what we call the golden result. People will treat you the way that you treat them. And so if one person comes into something and blames the other person, justifies himself, the strong tendency of the other person is to do exactly the same thing. Blame me and justify himself. But if I come in and say, hey, Andy, I am so sorry. I was wrong the other day when I did X, Y, and Z. Nine times out of ten, when I've seen that happen in mediation, the response of the other person is not, well, I'm glad you finally see how wrong you are. Sometimes that happens. Not often. Usually the other person says, well, now hold on a minute. It's, it's not all your fault because I, I know if I'd done this different, you wouldn't have done that. And I've seen people get into a whole new argument, each of them trying to take more of the blame. <laughs> literally. That would be Literally. Yeah. yeah. But that's when you know the Holy Spirit's shown up is yeah. when people become their own chief accuser and they can say with the Apostle Paul, I'm the chief of sinners. Yeah. I'm the chief of sinners. Yeah. yeah. You know, the, the Puritan um, Richard Sibbs would say again and again and again, labor to have a humble soul. Mm-hmm. You give us a great thing at the end of the peacemaker called the, I think he called it the peacemaker pledge. Mm-hmm. It's the three G's. Mm-hmm. Four G's. Four G's, yep. yes. W- w- could you unpack those? I know the first mm-hmm. one is get the log out of your eye. Nope. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I think I missed, that's where I missed that's the num- fourth that's one. That's number two. Okay, that's number two. No. Yeah, no, the, the four G's is basically our systematic theology for conflict resolution. It's dividing what the Bible teaches into four basic principles. The first one is glorify God. Glorify God. Glorify God. And I mean, and let me draw back just one key verse is, is 1 Corinthians 10, 31 through 11, 1. Paul has spent 10 chapters talking about conflict, marriage, divorce, who's a great apostle, uh, what you can eat, what you can drink, all these different issues. And at the end of chapter 10, he's just talked about the dietary concerns. He pauses and it's like he summarizes. How can I summarize what I've said for 10 chapters? He says, this, this is what it is. Whether you eat or whether you drink, do it all to the glory of God. Do not try to please yourself, but look out for the well-being of others, even as I try to please them rather than myself. Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. And there's three opportunities there. One is to glorify God. And you know, a lot of people hear that expression, but if you ask them to actually define it, they're, they're, they don't have the words. I just say it's to be a mirror of the goodness and glory and love and perfection of God, that when people see us engaging them, what is reflected off of us is the humility, kindness, love, purity, honesty, uh, mercy, kindness of Christ. And they would go, wow, how how could you do that? I couldn't do that. And you could say, I couldn't do it either, but Christ in me is Mm. causing me to be merciful and forgiving. So that's the first thing is to draw attention to the the goodness and, and greatness of God. The second one, as you said, Andy, is, is get the log out. And that's Matthew 7. First, take responsibility for my contribution. 
uh, and so often the other person then will follow the lead. Third one is if that if that doesn't work, the other person doesn't start facing his, is gently restore, Galatians 6. If someone is caught in a sin, tangled up, and can't get out himself, then you can say, Andy, could I share a couple concerns about how I think you may have contributed to this thing? So I, I gently, kindly, humbly try to help you see something. And in such a way, if we do it with the right spirit, quite often God will work through that. The other person will say, man, thank you. I, I hadn't seen that. I mean, we really do that, right? We would be grateful that someone is helping. Same way as if you were going to speak somewhere and you had some food on your face, you'd be grateful someone came up and let you know about it before you went out in front of a whole audience. <laughs> right. You'd be saying, well, there's sin on us, you know? Yeah. And if we approach it well, the other person, the Holy Spirit can work with and say, thank you. That really helps me. Well, uh, what's the key to approaching it well? Humility. Okay. It, it, and it, again, it goes back to, number one, the glory of God. This is more about God than it is about me. So in our new training, our whole foundational principle is God awareness. Where is God in this? What is God up to in this? Um, you look and we call you know, 360s. It starts with God awareness. And even look back at the Decalogue, Andy. The Decalogue, the thou shalt's, don't start just in thin air. They have a prologue. Right. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. If we understand that, then the commandments, do not steal, do not commit. Of course, of course I'll do that. So it's a focus on God. Secondly, it's a, humi- a humble recognition of how I've contributed. Thirdly, it's a genuine love for the other person. It's not a gotcha attitude. It's I love you. I love you so much. I want, it, it like, it's like disciplining a little child you love. You want to help them to see it. And then the fourth G is go and be reconciled. Let's work this out in a way that we can both walk away and say it's a good result. We're reconciled. And people watching us are going to say, wow, how would you do that? And then you say, let me tell you about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Hmm. That's so good. If God's people would genuinely die to themselves, it's amazing the good that can come from that. Oh, yeah. We're going to wrap this up, but uh, there's two practical questions that we want to ask you that I think a lot of our pastors find themselves in. And they kind of, I think they go together, and I don't know which order to ask them in, so we'll throw both of them out on the table, and then you can kind of work it the way you want. The, The first question is, when should a church call in mediation. Mm -hmm. And what we have experienced, I think, is that many times when a church calls us, Oklahoma Baptist, the state convention for mediation, it's it's way past the point of mediation. Mm -hmm. It's really more like damage control. We were not called soon enough. Mm -hmm. The second question is, when a pastor, as you mentioned earlier, a pastor finds himself sideways with the leadership team, when a pastor feels like he is at an impasse, with the church, mm-hmm. what should he do? Mm-hmm. And I don't know what order, how those fit together, but when should a yeah. church call in medi- mediation? What should a pastor do when he finds himself at an impasse? I think these are two practical things yeah. that a lot of our churches find themselves in that would be helpful for them on yeah. this podcast to hear your response to sure. that. Those are pivotal questions, Todd. The, the earlier, the better. Even if you're not calling in a mediator, Early on, you can just call some and say, hey, I need some advice. Mm-hmm. I've got a situation here. And, and you may think it's not serious enough yet to need a mediator, but the Bible is big on he who seeks counsel mm-hmm. with many advisors mm-hmm. and just is turn to somebody. And I, I'd love to see you know the Oklahoma Baptists have trained people that are there like a hotline. Like our mm-hmm. ministry has a conciliator hotline. 
People can can contact that and immediately get in touch with a with a trained conciliator. Um, but to call and say, here's my situation, describe it, and a that advisor might be able to say, well, here's a, f- a few practical things you can still do on your own that I think will help turn this thing around. But if you call them up and describe the situation, hopefully the person they're, they're talking to says, you know, I think you need a mediator. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if you wait another two, three months on this thing, it may be beyond the point of no return. Mm-hmm. So I would, I would seek advice early, mm-hmm. even if you don't think you need a mediator yet. Um, to your second question, when you really feel like you're sideways, one of the best things I ever heard early in my faith was a, a brother who said, for a Christian, it's never too late to start doing what's right. Mm. And so I, what I would say is if there's this other person you're in serious conflict with, never underestimate the power of just going to that brother with a humble heart. I mean, first of all, go to the Lord and say, Lord, show me my sins. Mm. I, I can see myself. Go to a brother who loves you enough to really be honest help you see yourself more accurately, how you've contributed, and then go to that, that other person uh, and, and just with a humble attitude, not to manipulate, but out of obedience and love for Christ. He commands us to do these things and say, brother, I've wronged you. Mm-hmm. I've had this kind of an attitude. I've said this and this and this. And in many cases, I think that is what could turn it around. It's before, mm-hmm. before you cross that line of no return. Mm-hmm. If that other person's heart is hard by then, at least you've done that, and God honors that. If right. you're the one who's, right. who's taking the humble approach and, and that other person will not respond, other people in the leadership team are going to watch both sides of that. Mm-hmm. And they're going to see, wow, here's the pastor who's humble, he's contrite, he's taking responsibility, he's showing how he's committed to change, and here's this one elder who's just so self-right. And we have an aversion to self-righteousness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And so I think that leadership team, if it's not, you know, rigidly divided yet, the other leaders are going to look at that hard-hearted guy and say, man, he's, he's, his approach, I don't like that. And I like what the past is doing. And there could be a shift of support mm-hmm. before it's too late, mm-hmm. before it's too late. That's good. Yeah. That's good. Well, Ken, we, we just appreciate you so much being here. Um, you know, our, our task is, is to simply equip pastors and uh, to to deal with all kinds of issues in the church, and I think that this is so practical, mm-hmm. so good for us uh, as as we get this training and as we, we talk about this. I, I do want to point pastors to your book, uh, The mm-hmm. Peacemaker. It's a fantastic uh, book. Go ahead, Todd. Spell his last name so people know how to yes, look it, for it's it. Ken Sandy S A N D E. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can you can find the book uh, just anywhere books are sold. So I uh, hope that uh, our pastors will get that, read it. also want to direct them towards uh, RW360, Relational Wisdom 360. Plenty of resources on the website, mm-hmm. opportunities. Uh, you know, if someone has an issue, they can call and uh, get mm-hmm. started in the right direction. Certainly, we want... We want to be available to do that uh, as well as a as a state convention. So, uh, Ken, just thank you so much for being uh, with us here today, and um, hope that uh, this will uh, bloom into an opportunity for pastors who are in some some uh, deep conflict or or any kind of conflict uh, to uh, seek the peace of Christ uh, for themselves and for the church. Yeah, yeah. thanks for being here, Ken. You Appreciate bet. you, brother. Thank you. All right, thanks again for joining us for this episode of Feeding and Leading, and we will see you in the next episode. This episode of Feeding and Leading has been brought to you by the Cooperative Program and Oklahoma Baptists. 
visit us at oklahomabaptist.org or your preferred podcast platform. Oklahoma Baptist, advancing the gospel together.